When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by friend of the show, friend of me personally, legitimately, I say this all the time to you, George, and I mean it every time I say it, legitimately one of the best people, maybe the best. <laughs> uh, I'd have to put that list together. Shouldn't That that definitely wouldn't piss anybody off. But one yeah. of the best people in this entire industry, George, thank you very much for hopping on with me, given how busy you are. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for the kind words. The check is in the mail. I do like your new digs. I like this uh, new artwork. I like everything that's going on here. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. It was a, you know, Vox was nice enough to to send you know send me along with some 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 stuff that I can throw in the background. It, 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 it's worked out all right. <laughs> it's so kind of them to lay me off. Um, yeah, I I uh, there's so much to talk about. Like oh the, it's it's insane. These yeah. playoffs have been incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really feels like, and it sucks because, you know, now we're starting to see injuries kind of creep back into the picture yeah. and that is becoming a, 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 an unavoidable part of the story here. But I really do think this first round has really put a showcase on from the league, reminding everybody, holy crap, this league is loaded. It is the, you know, because of how long the LeBrons and the Stephs of the world are playing into their careers and being productive to that extent. Um, it's given the league, you know, that, that present still while you see guys like the Aaron Fox and, and, you know, the anti, you know, not Dylan Brooks, uh, you know, really kind of take their, take the next step in their careers. Uh, it's been, it's been a fascinating run through the playoffs here so far. We'll talk about Lakers stuff here in a second, but like, just in terms of the NBA in general, you're a Miami guy. What the hell is going on? How do we even explain Jimmy Butler? How does that, how, how do you even have that conversation? <laughs> um, look, there are guys, I thought Bob Volgaris tweeted this out yesterday and it makes total sense, right? Where you have 82 game guys and 16 game guys. Yeah. And, you know, he's fine in the 82. Like he's good. Like he's he had a really good a, year this year. Yeah. He's legitimately a top 15 player in the 82. But when it comes to 16, he's like a legit, like top five or six in this it's current. Insane. NBA, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's no longer a fluke, right? People are like, ah, oh, the bubble, blah, blah, blah. But you've now seen it, right? I mean, yeah. they were one game within uh, one shot of getting to the finals last year and beating the Celtics. And I think you're seeing that again now. He's proving to people that he's just a really smart guy, right? Like he knows how to dissect the yeah. game in real time. And for as many guys in the NBA that are 
freaks of nature, right? And like Giannis is like the perfect example. Um, And I think there are only like probably like a handful of guys in this current era where I think can think the game past most people. And Mm -hmm. LeBron's certainly in that category, right? But I think Jimmy is in that category now where he can think on the fly and dissect what's in front of him. And he's playing like multi-dimensional chess out there most nights when he's playing. Multi-dimensional is a really important part of it. I think he gets people. Like I, th- I think he can read his opposition really well, and you know, like you mentioned LeBron, and like LeBron's response to Dylan Brooks was really interesting because in the past, like Harrison pointed this out to me in Slack, in the past LeBron has kind of done the verbal sparring outside of the game. He has participated in that with Deshaun Stevenson and well, basically the entire city of Washington D.C. Right. Um, but like, he was really young back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. There was a different LeBron back then. Uh-huh. And and, and like, by the way, there's that great story. Do you know the story about um, Jay-Z and, and all that or no? I I think I read a headline and briefly went through the the the, the piece on it. But, but go for it, though. But basically, Deshaun Stevenson, when he was saying all that stuff about LeBron and getting into it with LeBron, um, apparently Jay-Z was obviously tight with LeBron was in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and he he uh, apparently recorded a, a diss no. track, basically, <laughs> that included Deshaun Stevenson. Stevenson in that particular conversation, right? Like, yeah. And I think that it was, like, wild, right? Like, And I forget, I, I forget which other artist he reached out to when he was in the Bay Area doing this concert when all this was going on, and... I, I'm pretty sure Mark Spears of Anscape may have had this or Justin Tinsley yeah. of Anscape may have had the whole background story on it. Um, but basically, Jay-Z reached out to some artist in the Bay Area and was like, hey, can I borrow your studio? And they're like, uh, sure. And then they were like, can I borrow your track? Right? Like, just like <laughs> um, the track for whatever the song was. And I'm trying... Oh, it was too short. It was Blow the Whistle. Yep. And... He, he created kind of like he used the, the 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 I guess the beat of blow the whistle to create this diss track and it played at this nightclub in DC in between games in that series so all the players both teams were in this nightclub when oh, no. this thing went off Brian Windhorst told me that part of the story and like imagine like J- this Jay-Z song is debuting at this nightclub and both teams are there. It's just a wild scene. That's that's incredible. It, it, like LeBron just having that in his back pocket is is obscene. But, but to your to, to my point is that it was a young LeBron because I was yeah. there for the Lance Stevenson stuff. And yeah, there was like occasional mention of Lance and just kind of LeBron rolling his eyes when Lance is blowing in his ear or whatever. Lance, actually, if you recall in that series, put his damn fingers in his mouth. Um, during a play yeah. like yeah Lance Stevenson to me of all the agitators is probably the one seed just based on the antics right yeah the um, amount of crazy right a different level and by the way do you, you would know this because Lance played on the Lakers when, when LeBron came to the Lakers LeBron wanted Lance on his team so LeBron is not beyond uh mending these fences potentially but yeah I just think the Dylan Brooks stuff to me here's the part where I'm like come on dude seriously you're not talking to the media again for the yeah. second straight game. Like, 
this is not what this needs to be. And I've said this all along. I've been a big fan of what Memphis has been doing for years. Like for years, I've been saying they're going to be a team that's going to be knocking on this door. Mm -hmm. I think what they're missing is like another veteran player. And I know people look at, well, what about Steven Adams? I know he looks like he's 35, but he's like in his 20s still. Yeah, <laughs> He's been in this league for a long time, but he's still in his 20s. And they had Danny Green, but mm -hmm. Danny wasn't playing, right? And not everybody's yeah. Udonis Haslam, right? Where they cannot play and have an impact in the locker room. They need a veteran guy on that roster to help with some of the immaturity stuff. And, you know, they're not alone. Look, I, you know, I know Giannis is a little dinged up, but I didn't love Giannis not speaking after the game yesterday either. Yeah. So I'm not just singling out Memphis. But, yeah, LeBron has been through this stuff before. Um, and I think he threw Dylan off his game, particularly that game three, when he approached him pregame before the tip. Yeah. I think that totally took Dylan off his game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, that's the thing, though, is that, like, you know, Jimmy Butler... I think can really sense it has a really good feel for, Oh, these guys are like one bucket away from just completely caving. Right. Like we can, this thing, this thing it, we're, right now we're on like a seven or eight point run here. We're like a, we're like three buckets away from blowing this thing wide open. And he has a like incredibly good sense of, of human nature in that regard. And I think uh, LeBron I think he broke Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah. I think I yeah. think he's completely um and I think like Lakers fans deserve a little bit of credit for this too. They showed up. I mean, like for for a fan base that is known for showing up late and stuff like that. No, they were great. I was there last <laughs> night and I I watched it game three pop through the screen. Um yeah. but to your point, you know, right, Jimmy knows how to size up his competition, right? Like he fouled out Chris Middleton in a really important part of yeah. late in that game yesterday. And LeBron no, he said it, not my first rodeo, right? I know what I'm doing in these scenarios. He, and he does having that experience and being able to play the mind games, both in real time on the floor and off the floor, I think is an art that very few guys have. And those two guys, while I wouldn't always put them on the same level, I think when it comes to this time of year, they yeah. have some similarities. I don't think there's any question. And then like the last part of it is I think both guys really know how, you know, their their teammates around them are going to respond to various things that they do. You know, uh, the way that LeBron approached game three to me really sticks out where for the most part in the series, he has really kind of wanted to let D'Angelo Russell see if he can get going, let Austin Reeves get some experience on the job and and really kind of back off or whatever. But in game three, he came out 
And it reminded me a lot of that game six against Boston where you just looked in his eyes and he's like, oh no. <laughs> and, and you combine that. And uh, there was a scene actually in the Showtime uh, show where Dr. J, you know, kind of psychs out Magic Johnson. He's super nice to him. Then he goes out and kicks his ass. Yeah. And Magic just has no idea how to respond to any of that stuff. Right. And and I think like Dylan Brooks, like he he says what he says. He's anticipating like, you know, it, we all know when we say something and you have to pass that person in the hallway. And you're like, man, I do I make eye contact? Do I act like I didn't say the thing? Do I try to apologize for saying the thing? Do I try to like whatever? And you could just kind of see it. Like LeBron walks onto the court and Dylan Brooks like looks over and double has a double take. And then LeBron like brings him over and, and, and they have their exchange. And then LeBron promptly goes out and immediately, not like not casually over the course of a game, but immediately in that game proceeds to kick Dylan Brooks's ass. And, and yeah, like it's, I really think uh, the Lakers responded really well to that. I thought the Lakers really responded uh, well to LeBron's like quotes where he's like, look, the game's always been won between those four lines out there when he knows that's not really true. Um, like he, he you know, he, th there is a big part of, of the extracurricular stuff. And also I, I know this is probably in the minority and people took it as well. Part, some of it is me kind of laughing at Dylan Brooks can't help myself, but um I also was happy that they didn't suspend Brooks. I want more. I want more of this stuff. This, yeah. this, like this, so long as it isn't dirty, obviously that's where it crosses the line. When you're getting into territory where guys might get hurt, that's obviously where suspensions need to take place. But you know, there's, there's some, uh, talking and, in in this case, some, like an odd number of nut shots from, from the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, that kind of stuff though like that extra fire that feeds into what we watch sports for so like right. i i i wrote i i uh said on the lowdown a couple nights ago that i i'm happy that brooks didn't get suspended i want more of that stuff in it and you know i think we were, we're really kind of seeing the start of what could potentially be a a kind of shift where guys are willing to acknowledge, yeah, this team doesn't like that team. You know, the, the, there's the Bay rivalry. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I, yeah. Like, w w do, have you noticed that as well? Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, look, by the way, LeBron has been on the other side of this too, where if you recall during the 2011 finals, which was his worst playoff series ever, right? Yeah. Um, Heatles. Him and Dwayne Wade, right? We're, we're doing the cough thing as they were walking into the arena. Yep. Dirk was allegedly sick at the time. And he felt the wrath on the other side, right? You know, Dirk, yep. Dirk cooked them in that series. And yeah. I still think it's one of the greatest uh, single finals performances ever because of what From the Barea, and who or... he was going against. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. like what Dirk did there, like that think about insane. Dirk beating Dwayne, LeBron, and Chris in their prime. You know, I get that the rest of the team was not built as well as it as it could have been well actually i'm not going to say that either because um that first year was always going to be the worst year because they didn't have all the the uh, abilities to add all these guys they did mm -hmm. later right shane battier and ray allen etc but um yeah i to me that that's an incredible feat and lebron felt the wrath on the other side so he's been on both sides of this where he has yeah. been the guy dealing with the deshaun stevenson or the land stevenson um or the guy who you know, got beat by the guy he was trying to kind of clown a little bit, right? 
um, yep. and was the instigator in that particular scenario. So I do think, though, that adds to the luster, right, of yep. what makes these games interesting. It's why we love the NBA. It's not that we don't love the basketball, because we certainly love the basketball. I think people like you and me and a lot of people who work in this space love the basketball, right? The yeah. X's and O's part of it. Um, the the game within the game on the floor. We just talked about LeBron and, and Jimmy Butler being able to think the game through in real time. But the added benefit is the fact that you have the drama, which has always existed yep. in the NBA. And I think all, only augments how much people enjoy these moments. And it was funny. I was at, Sta uh, God, I almost said Staples Center, at Crypto.com Arena yesterday. Yeah. And I'm sitting there kind of taking it all in. And I'm just like, man, this is fun. Like, this is so yeah. much fun. And I know last year we got a taste of it in the NBA, although the Lakers were not involved. But I think that ha not having the Lakers, uh, I think even though no the numbers were good um, for you know the first two rounds, even without the Lakers, mm -hmm. I think that having the Lakers involved and having the Knicks involved, right, I yeah. think just adds a different layer to it. And the fact is this time of year is so much fun. And when you're in these arenas – and they're popping the way they were popping, like crypto has the last two games, like Miami was last night with Jimmy Butler, like Sacramento was the first couple of games in that series, particularly the first one after 16 years of not making yeah. the playoffs, right? Golden State is always popping, right? The Garden has been popping, right? Like those those moments, we, we kind of take them for granted, and we shouldn't especially after what we've endured the last couple of years where, you know, we had the bubble and then we had, yep. even though there was great basketball in the bubble, like maybe the highest level basketball we've ever seen, to be honest, in a play yep. in the playoffs, but not having the fans, not, quite there, the same. not the same. And then the year after that, right. Either limited fans or no fans. It was weird. Um, but now these last two seasons, but particularly this one, because the Lakers are involved because the Knicks are involved because we're getting this high level play and teams that haven't been involved maybe in a while. I think it's just this is the time where you just as an NBA fan, whether you're there at the arena, particularly if you're there at the arena, but if you're just watching it and you feel you can sense this stuff pop through the TV screen, just sit back and take it in and enjoy those moments, man, because um, this is what we live for. Right. The 82 Absolutely. is a grind, but these these few months are what we live for. Yeah, this the the it's funny, the 82 games, you know, they're trying to find a way to to get people to you know, temple events, right? Christmas day and Martin Luther King day and, and, and various, you know, and finally they're, they're going to add this mid season tournament. Um, and, and like, I, I would say that in terms of spectacle, like there is just no, be there's no beating football, right? You have a hundred thousand people in those arenas and well, those, that right, that's insane. Right. And, but and like the scarcity, when it, it's the law of economics, right? You know, scarcity yeah. where you have, so every yeah. game means more, you know, but, basketball to me and like when you want to talk when you want to talk you know just drawn out drama baseball moves so slow that you can feel every moment um but basketball to me is the best combination of the two things where these guys are right up close and personal you can see every single like it was funny last night uh lebron takes his second charge from uh jaw and he gets up and he kind of looks up at the screen and you can see on his face like Oh my God, I used to move like that, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and like, it's just, it's cool to be able, like basketball offers you that opportunity to be able to see that stuff and see the way that these guys interact between plays and, and during plays and stuff. And, 
And yeah, like th these playoffs have been so incredible in, in that regard. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that Dylan Brooks doesn't get suspended. And I'm happy that Joel Embiid doesn't yeah. get ejected or suspended because... And by the way, like, they, they shouldn't have. It was adjudicated fine. Um, yeah. Although the Embiid one probably should have been more... I, I mean, I, I would have been okay if Embiid would have been tossed in that scenario, in that game. But mm -hmm. I think suspension... Like the Draymond thing happened. I, I'm a firm believer of this. Now, you know, people can say I'm wrong. But I believe it's because he antagonized the crowd and yeah. both the commission and the commissioner was also <laughs> the there. At the same time. there yeah. I don't think I think if because I think it was adjudicated properly in real time, I would not have suspended Draymond. Um, but I think that stuff lends to what happened. And I don't think that, you know, Dylan Brooks did any of that or whatever. So I, I'm with you. Like it just to me, the Draymond thing is a little bit of an outlier. Yeah, you can't kick the trash can in front of the principal. Like you, yeah, right. <laughs> you're gonna you're yeah. gonna get some extra de detention for that, but but I, I I do think though, like look, every part of the way that the NBA has has adjudicated extracurricular activity on the court has been you know taken out to the nth degree because of the malice at the palace, right? There's been this the, the, there was an overcorrection I think over time where guys, if you leave the bench, you are suspended a game and, and that stuff. And it's just like, we as a society, like we, we like that extra stuff. We, we like that extra little bit of violence. We like feeling like at any moment things can pop off and you might see these guys really show how they feel about each other. Right. And, and to try to sterilize it in the way that the league has, um, I think has kind of taken away some of that. And I think getting back to it now where you're seeing more of it, where you're seeing where you're seeing how how LeBron legitimately feels about uh you know Dylan Brooks in game three where he starts off right away and then and then like LeBron look I think in the moment he would have he would have yelled out like that on the and one that he has in overtime to basically put it away he would have yelled like that but the pop that you got from the crowd the fact that he drove by Dylan Brooks after Dylan Brooks says LeBron doesn't have a left hand LeBron goes left on him and gets that and one like that, that kind of stuff is is what we watch basketball in particular for, because you can see all that happen in real time. Yeah, and by the way, not to go um, too far off on a tangent, the NBA was terrified after Malice at the Palace. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and understandably so, because you got to trust everyone involved. You got to trust the players, but more importantly in that scenario, you got to trust the consumers, right? Like yeah. in some ways too. And I think that there was this sense of they didn't trust either, right, for a stretch. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're getting back to that slowly but surely. But I still think in the back of their mind, there is this terrified feeling of having lived through that. And when you live through a trauma like that, most leagues, you know, the NBA, I don't have to go down the history of the NBA, but if you, if mm -hmm. you go down that rabbit hole, you'll understand why they were uh, terrified of it. And still yep. in the back of their mind, having lived through it and lived through the previous iterations of the NBA, um, just everything the NBA had to do to scratch and claw its way to get to this mountaintop that it's gotten to be part of the big sports uh, landscape or be part of the uh, equation in the big sports landscape here in this country and in the world for that matter. Yeah. Um, I get why they would have some trepidation and some fear, but I do think they had gotten to a level where there is more trust, certainly in their players, in the players association. Um, mm -hmm. And I think to some extent uh, in the security at these uh, arenas yeah. um, more so than they had previously. So I, I think I get them having that, but yeah, I think we're slowly but surely getting there. And I think they understand the drama matters. Like they do. 
And by the way, suspending guys sometimes adds to the drama. I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's done for those reasons. This isn't the WWE. It's not scripted. But uh, I do think that, um, to your point, if you kick the trash can in front of the principal, there's going to be more ramifications to deal with. And that just lends to uh, the drama and the product. Yep. Um, all right, let's let's quickly talk. You know, I, I want to look at the Lakers here. I have been saying basically since the deadline that this is a team that I feel can win, can win, not will, but can get to the finals and can win a championship. I, I, I've thought that since they since they turned uh, Russ, Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn into a bunch of wings and some athleticism, some shooting. Uh, D'Angelo Russell brings some ball handling as well. Um, I, I've thought that this is a team that can go on a bit of a run in the playoffs. It looks like they're going to win at least this one series. I like how they match up against um, either the, the Warriors or Sacramento. Yeah. And then if they play, you know, Denver in, in the conference finals, that's a team that, that you, you, you've always kind of felt like the Lakers have a bit of a mental edge on them. And then all of a sudden you're in the finals, potentially against Boston, which is kind of insane. But like, I, I have thought that, yeah, this this feels like a team that can go on a bit of a run. It looks like that's going to be the case. I'm curious, like you've watched LeBron incredibly closely here. And the way that he has approached this series, I know that some Lakers fans are a little frustrated because he, and, and I at times feel a little frustrated too, because he has been more passive throughout this series. But I've been thinking about it a lot, and I feel like that's him saying, look, we can we can get Memphis here and he understands how, how much effort it's going to take a, to, to win any game on any given night. And, and I think he's kind of looking at this as an opportunity to be like, all right, let's just get through this series. I'm going to save my legs as much as possible because then we have probably golden state. And then we have another series after that. And then you have the finals, but his approach to this series has, has given me a, a weird amount of confidence that he sees what the Lakers are capable of too. So like from, from your perspective, um, how have you read his approach to this series thus far? I think he always eases himself into a series. Mm -hmm. And I think that he is in this situation where um, he knows what he's going up against, right? It's what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, where he can think through the game in real time. And that also means thinking through the stuff in between the games, right? He knows yeah. his body as well as anyone. He knows what he can do. Um, and by the way, I think he understands his limitations at 38 years old too, right? Yeah. Like he's trying to push through this, right? The whole narrative of beating father time, the commercials, et cetera. I think that's part of it, but he also Those knows. Those aren't running anymore, oddly right. enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not. He also, but he does know what he can do. Like LeBron in um, game three, in the fourth quarter, when the Grizzlies are making their push, he got swatted at the rim. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't happen a couple years ago. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. he understands. But you, he didn't get, like, frustrated. He ran right back, right, and just, like, got himself back in the play. And I think he understands that, right? He didn't complain to the refs. He knew, hey, clean block, playoff time, got to run back. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some of that is understanding that, too, is whatever his limitations are. And I mean, think about it at 38 years old, in 115 days, he's the oldest player to get a 2020 game in the regular yeah. season or the playoffs. Like he is doing things when they're necessary. And I've always said this about the playoffs. 
he's always been an, an efficiency machine, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of what time of year it's been. But I've always said that regardless of how efficient he is, um, the playoffs are not about efficiency. The playoffs are about getting W's. And it doesn't yeah. matter how ugly it is, as long as it's effective, who gives a rat's ass how yeah. ugly it may look? And I think that I trust him implicitly to be able to do what he thinks is best in a given series. Um, you know, some people will, I think from game to game, we see how much fan is short for fanatic where people are like, he needs to put the foot on the gas more, but it's weird because those are probably also the same people that are saying, well, Anthony Davis needs to be the best player on this team for them to win a championship. Right. So yeah. it's like, you want your cake and eat it too. You can't have it both ways, but yeah. I do think LeBron just understands himself, uh, and his game, especially now more so than ever. He's kind of like Neo in the matrix. Uh, in a way where like he sees the things coming before they come right again yep. back to the multi-dimensional chess so I think there's that and I think he's going to do what's necessary in a game because of the way he's able to read it for example Anthony Davis did not have a great game yesterday right like again you know uh, and I get it and I know Charles and those guys and Shaq were talking about this in the post game yesterday about how like you know they don't get how one game he's on and one game he's off or whatever but AD, say what you want, defensively was awesome yesterday, okay? Mm -hmm. I think they shot – I'd have to look – I'm trying to look up the number here, numbers here on my phone real quick. But I'm pretty sure the Grizzlies were like 3 of 16 or something like that on shots that he contested. So, to me, Anthony Davis, the one thing you're always going to get – and this is what Kenny Smith was saying yesterday in the postgame. Um, and I caught it because I was streaming it in my car when I left the arena. Um where he's like, you know what you're always going to get with him defensively. That's always been the case with him yeah. going back to his Kentucky days. But offense at times have been hit or miss, right? Um, and when he was on the Pelicans, it's different because he's he was the guy, right? Like yeah. he, he didn't have good enough players around him at that time. Like they needed him to score 40 to just be in every game, particularly in their limited amount of opportunities in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I think that there's that. I think there's a sense of LeBron understanding what each individual guy is certainly capable of and being able to react in real time to what they're producing on a given night. Yeah, I I also think he's feeling out, all right, who's 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 who can I trust in this moment, right? Cuz he's this is the first time he's in this spot with these guys. And um like Raj and I were kind of marveling at last night Austin Reeves is the first guy that LeBron has kind of backed off to see what he has since Kyrie, you know, and 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 and, and the for the only other guard, the only other point guard um that that lebron has his approach the game like that with and and that's been fascinating to watch too because all of this these guys have been together for a couple months and lebron missed a month of those couple months so they're all trying to figure this out they're trying to you know build this plane in midair and 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 uh you know the fact that they're able to to be up 3-1 while they do that has has been uh pretty it gives me quite a bit of, of confidence of what they're capable of do not just this summer or this 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 postseason run but but uh yeah certainly heading into next year as well um all right before we get you out of here you are doing a ton um at at espn that that i wanted to to help you plug you're doing espn daily now uh which which is uh a, a really cool and uh immersive gig uh you're 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 still doing your sideline stuff too um, I'm just going to get out of your way and, and <laughs> let you tell everybody where, every, where where they can find you. You can find me in a bunch of places. If you want to hear Lakers talk on a regular basis, you can find me on my ESPN Los Angeles 
radio show. It's Afternoon Drive in Los Angeles on 710 AM uh, ESPN LA. You can also podcast that as well. Every hour is podcasted. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes the shows are short because we're the Lakers flagship, so we'll lead into the uh, pregame for that and then the games. Uh, but I would say that this time of year, we are doing 95% Lakers and then 5% everything else. <laughs> um, so it's it's definitely a good place to get more Lakers uh, content and takes. And honestly, because I'm a basketball guy, that's generally the case. The overwhelming majority of yep. what we're doing there is going to be Lakers content. Um, there's also some silliness and goofiness in there in between, which we like to do. Um, we like to have some fun on the show. I think that just happens naturally with Scott Kaplan, too. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Just, it's going to happen. So there you can you can find me there, Sedano and Cap. Find the podcast wherever you find podcasts. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, do all that stuff. Um, ESPN Daily has been I've been a guest host lately. Check that out. A lot of good content on there. It's more of a magazine show. Uh, a lot of interviews. Kind of cool, I think, too, in a different way to kind of use different muscles uh, than I'm used to. Yeah. And then play by play on ESPN ESPN Radio, NBA sidelines on. Um, the play-by-play -play is NBA, college football, and NFL on ESPN Radio, and then NBA sidelines on TV. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and around the horn. You can catch me on Around the Horn, too. I'm there. And that's podcasted, too, because basically everything is podcasted now. I feel like I feel like I have to – like, I'm just going to go find another job to do just so that I can, like, come anywhere near that list, just any anywhere in that vicinity. Um, you're killing it, George. Thank you very much for hopping on, man. I appreciate it, given how busy I know that you are. Um, always fun to catch up and, uh, and let's do it again soon. All right, brother. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon.